With at least a third of Americans reporting that they don't get enough sleep, many of us are becoming increasingly disconnected from the nighttime needs of our body. A recent boom in the sleep tech industry could use data-driven science to help us regain control. A lack of sleep not only negatively affects our physical health, our cognition and performance in the following days suffer as well. However, advanced brain-computer interface technology reveals what's happening in the sleeping brain for the very first time, offering new hope for increased cognitive function and a good night's sleep. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story examines how technology has changed human sleep patterns in recent centuries. Before modern electricity, waking up for hours in the middle of the night was not only normal, it also provided a satisfying slumber that left our ancestors feeling well-rested. However, with the invention of electricity, this biphasic sleep cycle was put to rest, sorry, as people embraced nightlife and began staying up later. We've been trying to adjust ever since, but new technology from a growing sleep tech industry can help us take back control of some much-needed rest. Our second story takes a closer look at the groundbreaking technology that sheds light on a crucial sleeping process called offline replay. An unprecedented study reveals how humans organize their daily experiences when we're asleep and proves yet again why a good night's rest may be even more important than previously thought. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, how technology zapped us of our sleep 200 years ago and how new technology could help get it back. Non-wearable sleep monitor. Smart bedroom solution. Creating a cooler, more comfortable environment as nature intended. We're using a sleep mask and a smartphone app to control your respiration. Keep those annoying morning sun rays out of your face. Upload and view your sleep data in your app. What if you could train your brain to sleep better? With at least as many as one-third of Americans reporting that they don't get enough sleep, there is a growing sleep tech industry chock full of gadgets, apps, and practices like the ones you just heard, designed to zap, hum, or coax you into drifting off. A lack of sleep can affect not only our cognition and performance in the following days, but it can also negatively impact our health. Dr. Viren Summers has more from the Mayo Clinic on the various health risks. There are things that happen during sleep that carry over into the daytime and can have very dramatic effects on causing daytime disease. The body is not designed to tolerate long-term, months and months of not sleeping adequately. But it wasn't always like this. We weren't always chasing seven to eight hours a night. Capturing them and feeling rested the next morning seems like nothing more than a dream for some of us. And while being awake in the middle of the night seems like an all too common living nightmare, Before the 20th century and modern electricity, that was the norm. This kind of biphasic sleep meant that instead of sleeping for one long eight-hour period, we slept for two four-hour periods with a few calm hours of wakefulness in between. These hours of late-night wakefulness were used for leisure activities and were even endorsed by medical science at the time. That's where this new counterinsurgency of new sleep tech comes in. So while heading to a cabin in the woods seems like a romantic way to get in touch with our forefathers' sleep cycles, sleep technology in recent years offers a new data-driven solution to this problem. Let's get more from Inverse's Sarah Wells. Hey, Sarah. 
Hi, great to be here. So I I don't know anyone who gets enough sleep. I mean, there are some um, all-star <laughs> sleepers that I do know, but it seems like it's something we're all chasing. And I was actually happy to learn that maybe it's not our fault. Talk to me about how the modern world has been working against our ability to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. So I would say that there's kind of two key things that are conspiring against us here. So it's partially our social environments, which is, you know, you get texts at all time of the night or at work, you might be expected to check your email even outside of um, normal working hours, kind of a slave to productivity in that way. And then there's also our physical environments, which is oddly enough, kind of like the lights in our house, which keep us up later than, you know, the actual sun going down. Yeah, that's a good reminder that sleep used to shake down very differently. Before this dawn of modern technology, specifically electricity, there was something that you heard about called biphasic sleep. It seems to have worked well lifestyle-wise back then and even medically beneficial as well. It was something that we uh, we liked, we lived, it, it just worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so biphasic sleeping, if typically today people sleep in one or hopefully sleep in one long eight-hour chunk, biphasic sleeping was two different four-hour chunks um, where people would wake up in the middle of the night and and do just kind of activities that they didn't get to do during the day, whether that be uh, like reading their Bible, for example, or sewing or even having sex. It's a good time for that. And then there's the reports about kind of the medical benefits of this. They've said that this is a good time for people back then to take their medicine um, or that turning over was maybe good to aid digestion. So lots of benefits there. Super interesting. What's even more intriguing is that this method is actually our default biologically. It's strange to imagine considering how foreign that concept seems these days. Is there, can we look to science to back this up? Can we look to any evidence that just lends itself to how real this is? Yeah. So there's a study that was done in the 1990s, um, a sleep study that kind of investigated what people's natural sleep patterns would be like um, when exposed to artificial light, you know, as we are in our normal sleep now, um, and then also taking that away. And they found that people who were deprived of the artificial light actually started to kind of regress back toward this biphasic sleep cycle. There's this counterinsurgency that's emerging um, where we see, and we see it all the time, all of this tech What's been going on in this space? A lot of interesting contraptions are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. So like you said, there's a lot of different things. There's like sleep tracking apps you can use on their on your phone, on your smartwatches. There's even kind of sleep tracking rings that you can wear or like mats, that intelligent mats that you can lay on. And basically kind of the idea behind most of these is that they're just collecting different types of data on how you're sleeping that you, as someone who is asleep, maybe wouldn't necessarily recognize. So this is kind of estimating what your REM cycles might be, how much you're tossing and turning, if you're snoring, if that's somehow disrupting your sleep. And this is a little bit different from what you would find in like a clinical setting, kind of like an EEG where that would actually, you know, look at your chemical signals in the brain to see how well you're sleeping. These devices aren't necessarily doing that, but they are kind of providing users more information to kind of understand their sleep better. Um, So they can kind of look for those patterns and see where they can improve and how they can kind of help their body sleep its best. So, you know, enter tech to kind of change how it all works. Sarah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. When we're finally able to catch our much-needed sleep, 
Advanced Sleep Technology further offers groundbreaking insight into what's happening in our brain once we get there. Up now, how our brain replays our day's experiences while we're asleep, and how knowing this can kick cognitive function into high gear. While those beeps and bleeps are soothing enough to lull you into sleep, that was actually from a sequence game from BrainGate, the research group that develops brain-computer interfaces. It shows a participant moving a cursor under neural control to play a game. Lately, researchers have been using these along with neurotechnologies such as microelectrodes implanted into the human brain as a way to decode neural signs. A May 2020 report in the journal Cell Reports used a similar experiment which led to groundbreaking evidence about what's happening in the human brain when we sleep. Every morning before you wake up, your brain has already coordinated an injury recovery, oversaw immune function, and took care of some mood regulation. Ever the multitasker, a study now reveals yet another task on the brain's nightly to-do list, a specialized sleep setting called offline replay. To ultimately observe this offline replay, researchers asked two participants to take a nap before and after playing a sequence copying game similar to the one you just heard, and to Simon, the game night mainstay from decades past. What does it feel like to play Simon? Here's a quick reminder from the 90s about the game and about how much better TV ads have become. What does it feel like to play Simon? You gotta look! Remember! You gotta repeat the sounds and colors. What does it feel like to play Simon? Intense. Simon, a challenge intensified to the max. Like the video game, the study had four color panels that light up in various sequences for players to repeat. While the participants napped, played the game, and then napped again, researchers recorded their brains, specifically taking note of the individual neurons observed. It turns out the participants' brains kept playing the game after they were asleep. The study's authors believe this concept, known as offline replay, helps humans and animals make sense of a day's events and store new memories without overwriting the old. It was the first time scientists have directly seen offline replay occur in the human brain and reinforced the importance of sleep to our memories. Dr. Robert Owens of the UC San Diego Department of Medicine quickly explains. We're learning a lot about why sleep is important. You know, I think people are recognizing now that when you sleep, you, uh, that has important effects on memory. So if I give you a piece of paper with, let's say, 10 things that you should memorize, how well you sleep tonight will predict how well you can tell me what those 10 items are tomorrow. That's the single most important fact. Joining us to further help understand the science and technology advances that go along with this study is Inverse's Ali Patillo. Hey, Ali, welcome back. Hey, Tanya. So, you know, um, as a ruminator, my first thought was, great, I'm replaying everything in my head while I sleep too. <laughs> but this offline replay is is more of a specific function. First of all, what kind of things qualify as waking activities? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. You'd think that even during sleep, you know, we'd turned off a little bit. Um, but it turns out the brain is extremely active. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, we've 
kind of observed offline replay in animals, but this is the first time that we've observed it directly in humans. And it's basically a way to make sense of the day's events. So that could be um, a game like the Simon-like activity that was used in the study. That could be a conversation, a movie, you know, a sports game. It, we think, or we think, the scientists think um, offline replay helps humans and animals make sense of the day's events and store the memories. In terms of what we get out of this, what are the core benefits of this offline replay function? Why are we doing it? And, you know, why is it good for us? Scientists think animals and humans engage in offline replay to organize their experiences and submit new memories into long, long-term storage without getting rid of old memories. It kind of, they think it's a mechanism for humans to synthesize complex experiences and remember them far down the road. So what was interesting to me was learning about what's going on in the brain and amid all of these, you know, firing of neurons and these implanted sensors, you know, the hippocampus and the neocortex work together in this process. Can you help us understand how so a little bit more? Mm -hmm. They think that offline replay involves these two brain structures and the hippocampus is a small brain region that's kind of shaped like a seahorse. It's located under the cerebral cortex and it's associated with memory, whereas the neocortex is the outer layer of the brain that's kind of wrinkly and primarily responsible for processing sensory information and controlling movements. But they think these two brain structures work together because they each have varying levels of plasticity. And the way that the researcher explained it to me is that the hippocampus takes a snapshot of the neural patterns that are activated during an event, and then later during sleep, it reactivates those neural patterns and the reactivation is experienced as a memory. They're still kind of hammering out exactly how the brain structures operate. Because again, this is the first time we've seen offline replay directly in humans, but they think that's kind of how it works. And again, you know, this is the first time we've directly seen this in motion, but also new is this recording of patterns, these patterns of activity. How has this tech advanced so far that we are able to do this? So in previous studies, the microelectrode arrays that were used, they were too big to make as detailed observations of neural patterns as these really tiny, really small microelectrode arrays that were used in this study did. Um, So this was, the researcher said, was really unprecedented because these electrodes were already embedded in the two participants' brains, and it presented this really unique opportunity to glimpse a process that had previously been totally obscured. So how can we better use this new information? Does, you know, how well we sleep, for example, help this function overall? Is this all the more reason to get more sleep? Absolutely. I mean, we know sleep is helpful for a whole range of factors, just helping our body heal itself, helping the brain operate kind of in an optimized fashion. And this finding seems to hint that If you are, say you have a really um, important test coming up and you have a crucial study session or you win a soccer game, it might be helpful to have a long night's sleep after that so that you can better synthesize kind of the lessons learned during that experience and apply it in the future. Mm -hmm. This study, you know, was limited, you know, to two people as such. The results are a bit limited. Do you see it evolving and digging any deeper, maybe even, you know, seeing how this relates to dreaming or expanding a little bit past uh, where it's at? Absolutely. I mean, the researchers 
I think are extremely excited about these findings and even exhilarated by them. But like you said, this was only two participants. So they want to replicate the study with a larger population, um, with a more diverse population. And I mean, dreaming and the brain and memory, these are some of the most persistent mysteries in neuroscience. There's so many kind of unanswered questions and this finding helps us get a little bit closer to answering them. Yeah, good stuff. Listeners can head to inverse.com to read more. In the meantime, Allie, thanks so much. Thanks, Tanya. Head to inverse.com to read more about how technology is paving the road to a better night's sleep. You can click on the link in the show notes for that story and all others we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.